All right, guys, welcome back to Real Talk Sports for Rico. Today, I will be your host. Today's show, we are continuing the NBA playoffs recap here as we are still into round one. There's only been one team that has actually advanced. We'll be talking about that. Each and every series will be updating pretty much everything that has been going on through each series. And as always, I'm going to give you my Real Talk sports analysis here on each series so before we actually jump into the content let me first and foremost thank the sponsors out there who have put sponsorship on the show let me thank anchor for being our platform which is now spotify podcasts and then i want to go ahead and thank youtube here as we are now on youtube so you can press the like and subscribe button you can generally catch our show on sundays uh, on youtube and also too on spotify so Without further ado, let's go ahead and let's jump into the content. And let's start in the Eastern Conference, the Milwaukee Bucks against the Miami Heat, the one seed being the Milwaukee Bucks, the Miami Heat being the eight seed. And surprisingly, Milwaukee is down two games to one. And I believe the real reason that they are down in this series is because Giannis has yet to play in this series. If you've been watching this from the rip, Giannis went down with a pretty horrific back injury. It was a hard fall, and he tried to give it a go in game one, was unable to go. The Heat would go on to win that game 130 to 117. The Bucks would come back and win at home 138 to 122. And then just recently here in game three, the Miami Heat win 121 to 99 in Miami. And this series is tipping towards Miami. The longer that Giannis is out, the more I believe the Heat are favored in this series. Now, the one thing that is an interesting component is that Tyler Hero went down in game one with a broken hand, and he's more than likely probably out for the playoffs. But Jimmy Butler actually took a nasty fall here in game three, which was actually similar to what happened to Giannis. And may I add that there have been a lot of tough falls in the NBA playoffs. You had Giannis who fell and hurt himself. Marcus Smart fell and hurt himself. Jimmy Butler fell and hurt himself. So these falls have been horrific in the playoffs and they have been kind of altering to the series at this point in time. But Jimmy Buckets has been Jimmy Buckets. I mean, it's playoff Jimmy at this point. In game three, he was phenomenal. He had 30 points. He also had the five rebounds and I believe the four assists. But more importantly for this series, what was really, I think, the, the key to game three for Miami was that they shot 48.5% from the three-point land versus Milwaukee, who only shot 38.5%. Coming into this, Miami, I believe, was the worst playoff team in the NBA shooting the three-pointer. So they were coming in dead last, and they have outshot, I believe, one of the best shooting three-point clubs in the league in Milwaukee. And I believe that Milwaukee added a lot of shooting uh, depth to their roster, and it was just surprising that their shooters were outshot. I mean, you look at Grayson Allen. Uh, Brooke Lopez shoots the ball very well. Bobby Portis shoots it well. 
Um, you know, they had Javon Carter, they had Pat Covington, they have Joe Ingles who played for Utah. And none of these guys could really make a three-point basket. And I love the fact that with Jimmy Butler on the floor, he seems to be the guy that has slowed down the pace, really gotten the guys into the sets that they need to get into. And I've always loved this about Jimmy as his game has kind of evolved. He's turned into kind of like a point forward. Um, you know, I think even though Cal Lowry is the point guard, I believe Jimmy Butler is more that guy at this point in his career. And hats off to uh, Kevin Love. I think Kevin Love's played phenomenal. You know, he's had some good performances here. He had a great performance in game two and game one. Uh, it, it's a so-so effort here coming off the bench in game three, but they got the win. You had Bam Ayabayu who had 12 points, 11 rebounds, and five assists there. Uh, and then also, too, you had Matt Strosses or Strasses had 12 points. But the key for this one was Duncan Robinson here in game three, aside from Jimmy Butler. If you remember, Duncan Robinson used to start for the Miami Heat before uh, Strosses came in and actually took his position. And it looks like he didn't even miss a beat. He had 20 points. He was five of six from the three point land, uh, seven of nine from the field, played 24 minutes. Absolutely phenomenal. And I think for Miami to pull off this series, he is going to have to play some more minutes because with the injury that happened to Victor Oladipo and then the possibility that Jimmy Butler may be slowed here, although I think Jimmy Butler is going to play through that injury of the fall, I think he's going to be relied upon heavily moving forward here for Miami to move uh, forward in this series. But Milwaukee still has a chance. I think that their chances really hinge on Giannis. I believe when you get Giannis on the floor, that's going to open up a lot of different things for Milwaukee. I think it's going to open up a lot of different things for those shooters, because if Giannis is Giannis and back to anywhere relatively to 100 percent, you're going to have to wall him up and he's going to get it out to his knockdown shooters. And that's what makes Milwaukee dangerous. Plus, Milwaukee gets an addict or an added rim protector at the rim on the defensive end, aside from Brook Lopez, aside from Bobby Portis, you get Giannis down there as well. That makes a huge difference. But his game four status is unclear. It was reported that he has been doing some individual work. You hope that he's able to uh, get back out there. Next up, you have the Boston Celtics here, the two seed against the Atlanta Hawks. They just closed off Atlanta in Atlanta today winning this one three games to one. This has been all about the star power of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. These guys have dominated really Atlanta. Then also to Marcus Smart and his ability to take away DeJounte Murray. That has been the key as well. And remember, he took a hard fall, but he was able to give it a go today. The Celtics win 129 to 121. They won game one, 112 to 99. Uh, won game two, 119 to 106. The Hawks came back and won 130 to 102. And so the Celtics get the split that they need. They're back to uh, their home court here in TD Banks, and they're up three games to one. It looks like this is pretty much a wrap for the series. And like I said before, I mean, Atlanta, they just do not have any answer for Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. And also, too, the pace of the game for Atlanta has to be a lot different than Boston. Boston can eat you up in a half-court game. They're one of the better three-point shooting teams in the league behind Golden State. I've noted that. And I just think that Atlanta is not able to get out and run because 
the Celtics are a lot better defensively than a lot of people. It, it looks on paper, but they're really, really good defensively when you look at their defensive rating. Marcus Smart does a lot of incredible things. And how about the fact that he scored 19 points today? He did have four rebounds and four assists. He was the defensive player of the year, and he's definitely showing his value. You look at the fact that Jalen uh, Brown had 31. You had 31 from Tatum. Um, you know, you had Derek White, who had a pretty good game as well. He's actually having a really good series, too, but he had 18, too. Um, Robert Williams kind of working his way back from the knee injury. He had 13 and 15, which is huge for him. That's a lot of the kind of production that he was having when the Celtics were we're in the Celtics, excuse me, made it to the finals last year. So you're getting a lot of that production back. He's starting to really get his, his footing back from the knee injury. But one of the best pickups that I think the Celtics made was going out and getting Malcolm Brogdon over from the Pacers. He had a, a great role tonight. He had 14, the four assists and the four rebounds. More importantly, you look at the Celtics, they shot 40% from the three-point land um, versus you look at the Hawks who only shot 37%. Field goal wise, uh, 51% from the Celtics and then for Atlanta, only 43% in today's game. So again, man, I, I mean, you know what Trey Young's going to do. You know pretty much what DeJounte Murray is going to do. And they've done a great job in really limiting those guys. I know DeAndre Hunter had a pretty good one today with the 27. Um, but it, it's just been tough sleddings, I think, for Atlanta. And I think it's going to be a long offseason. If you've been watching the news there, I guess they're under some new management. And there was a report that possibly even Trey Young could be on the move here. And I don't know, you know, because there was a story out there where he had got into it with Nate McMillan. Uh, he had actually skipped the game, I believe. And so it's going to be interesting what Atlanta does. But I clearly think that this season is going to be over for Atlanta when they head back to Boston. Uh, I'm actually surprised that they actually got a game in this series. But give uh, Atlanta the credit. I mean, they have played hard. They just do not have enough compared to the Celtics. Next up here, the next game in the Eastern Conference, you had the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. That series actually ended yesterday with the 76ers being the first team to advance into the second round against the Nets. I believe the Sixers are 12-0 and 0 against the Nets in the playoffs. Um, they make light work of the Nets, even though the Nets were up in both Game 3 and Game 4. But more importantly, what is very scary about the 76ers is that Joel Embiid did not finish the series he actually has a knee injury. When you look at Doc Rivers and what his comments said after the game, he didn't like what the MRI initially showed. There is swelling behind his knee. And this is very concerning. I believe Joel Embiid is the MVP of the year this year. I mean, I felt like he was that guy last year. But more importantly, the 76ers go as Joel Embiid goes. Never mind what happens to Ben Simmons and the guys that have been there, Martez Phobes, all these guys that it's been a revolving door, even James Harden, their heartbeat starts with Joel Embiid. He's been the most consistent player after a batch of injuries his first four years in the league. And if Joel Embiid goes down, I could see the Sixers team being yet another Sixers team that does not meet or reach the conference finals, which is a shame because 
Nolan Bede has never been to the conference finals. And it's sad, but I think that this is probably where they're headed. This is going to put a lot of pressure onto James Harden. And also, too, it's going to put a lot of pressure onto Tyrese Maxey, who has played fabulous the last couple games. But I just think that they don't have enough to advance in the next round, you know, because it looks like they're probably headed to play Boston anyhow. But they're in some real trouble if they do not have Joel Embiid. But that is the the the, the really the the story of this series is that the 76ers just they had more than what Brooklyn had. And I think that it's possible that the roles will switch here next year. I love what they did with bringing in Mikael Bridges. I love Spencer DeWittle's game. I think Cam Johnson has time to really develop some more there. You have um, Nicholas Claxton there as a big. And I think that they've got to figure out what they want to do with the elephant in the room with Ben Simmons. I feel like you need to move Ben Simmons. You need to get some young pieces or some draft equity back for this Nets team. And I'm putting it out there right now. Mikel Bridges He's either going to be in the MVP running next year or you're going to put him down as the most improved player next year, which I don't know if that's fair, but you're really going to see exactly how good this young man is because he is going to be a star and he is the main focus of the Nets. I promise you, you are going to see why this guy was very good and you're going to see why I thought the 76ers were very silly by trading him on draft night. Next up, you have the Cleveland Cavaliers and the New York Knicks. And so in this series, I had the Cavaliers in seven. I'm very shocked with the performance thus far with the Cavaliers. Kudos to the Knicks. No disrespect to the Knicks and Knicks fans out there. They're they're the better team. They're taking it to the Cavs. They took care of business at home. I have watched two games where... The Knicks have absolutely manhandled the Cavs. They have looked shaken in the moments that they have been in Madison Square Garden. 3-1, and I think it all starts with Jalen Brunson. Jalen Brunson is a guy that I absolutely loved coming out of Villanova. If you're Mark Cuban, I do not know how you did not get the contract done with him, why he is still not a Mav. But this guy is showing you exactly why he is getting paid the money he is getting paid and why he is a star in this league and why the Knicks have so much to be really, really happy about because you know that the roster is only going to get better. But they have they won game one. So they went to Cleveland, took care of business, winning 101 to 97. That was a tight one. The Cavs came back and thrashed the Knicks in the second game, 107 to 90. And then the Knicks took off in game three, winning 99 to 79 there, 20 point game. And then a 102 to 93 win today in Madison Square Garden, sending this one back to Cleveland with the Cavs on the brink. More importantly, Tom Thibodeau, you guys know I'm a Bulls fan, and Tom Thibodeau, whatever defensive schemes he drew up, it absolutely worked. Donovan Mitchell was literally 0 of 8 in the second half, and I don't know if he ever got a bucket, but that was a terrific defensive scheme by taking Donovan Mitchell out of the game and making others beat them, and that's exactly what the Cavaliers could not do. Even though Darius Garland got it going, even though you got some timely buckets from Okora, even though Jared Allen started to get loose a little bit in there, um, I, I mean, you know, New York just did a terrific job in really clamping down 
the Cavs. And more importantly, I, I, I really think that the, the big play of the game was the fact that Tom Thibodeau went ahead and put Josh Hart in versus going with Julius Randle. Julius Randle had been struggling. And he, I guess from what you hear, the body language was not good. And the fact that they went with Josh Hart, which is another Villanova guy that I liked coming out of college, I think another guy that the Lakers gave up on too early. And I think he was an absolute steal at the trade deadline from Portland. Getting him over there with his college buddy and, and Jalen Brunson was probably one of the best decisions that the Knicks could have done. And they just get a winning mentality over there. He was big today. I mean, he had 19 points. He had the two assists. He had the seven rebounds. He was seven of 16. Uh, Julius Randle, three of 10, only seven points. I, I just talked about how they went with Josh Hart instead of him. And how about the evolution of, of R.J. Barrett? I mean, R.J. Barrett was a guy you were wondering, you know, was he going to be okay? Was he going to make it? I know he's a high-talented uh, draft pick coming out of Duke, but he has shown that he is a very serviceable player and has really developed here in year three and four. And he reminds me a lot of what Andrew Wiggins kind of brings to the Golden State Warriors. And it is a guy that can play off stars. And I think that that's really what he needed. When he first came to New York, he was looked upon mainly as a guy that had to score a lot and take on a lot of, uh, you know, star power there. But because Jalen Brunson has been there, because Julius Randle is, is there as well, it has allowed him to kind of step back a little bit and be kind of, you know, the third wheel. Um, and really, he's been able to find his offense the last couple of days. He had 26 today. He had an assist. He also had two rebounds. But more importantly, I mean, the buckets that he made were very difficult. He showed that he was more than just a jump shooter. And he was able to get to the lane and actually punish a lot of the Cavaliers. And, you know, Evan Mobley on the other side of this thing, 12 points. You had Jared Allen with the 14, Darius Garland, 23, uh, Cheris LeVert, 14, but Donovan Mitchell, only 11. He had uh, five assists and four personal fouls, 0 of 4 from the three-point land, 5 of 18 from the field. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, man, they just did a great job in taking away Donovan Mitchell. And I, I thought that this maybe was one of the toughest things for the Cavaliers coming into this series was – is there is there youth and inexperience going to catch up with them? I didn't think it was going to because Donovan Mitchell has played deep into the playoffs with Utah. I thought he was going to bring that leadership, which would really shift the Cavs um, onward past the Knicks in seven in a tough series. Now, I know it's not over, but it is pretty much over. I think 95% of the teams that are up three games to one actually won the series. And I would expect New York to go into Cleveland and win. They've already won the first game. I, I'd expect for them to kind of get it done here on the road uh, against the Cavs. Next up, let's shift focus over here to the West in a game that is actually playing right now, the Denver Nuggets and the Minnesota Timberwolves. You're looking at game four, and this is looking to be a, a sweep, a gentleman's sweep. And I mean to tell you, Denver has looked every bit of the one seed in the West. I mean, they have absolutely dismantled the Timberwolves. And the Timberwolves have to be looking at this. And as much as I love Rudy Gobert, that trade is looking very, very skeptical. Um, you know, I know they gave up, you know, D'Angelo Russell. They traded him away to the Lakers. And I'm just like looking and I'm like, man, I know Anthony Edwards is good. Carl Anthony Towns has been good. But Minnesota looks really bad, just poor, you know, just from top to bottom. I just think that 
they've missed a lot of defensive assignments. They're getting beat in a lot of different ways. They've given up a lot of transition threes. They haven't figured out what to do with the Joker. They have no clue what to do with Jamal Murray in pick and roll situations, clutch situations. And it's tough because Minnesota gets off to such a terrible start. And I think that that comes with inexperience and being a young team. And the one thing that you could say about Minnesota and and what their, their, their MO was last year is they had these moments where they looked like they were ready to go ahead and take that next step. But then you turn around and five, six minutes later, after being up 16 points, they're only up two or they're down two. You know, they just, they haven't figured out how to win. And I think that there is more, um, there's more of a haul that has to take onto this roster. I think that they have got to scrap this thing and they've got to figure out what they want to do with Anthony Edwards out there, who is simply, he, he is balling. I mean, he is absolutely balling. When we look at the statistics from the last game, I mean, I believe this young man had 40 points in this one, but so did Jamal Murray. Um, you know, this this guy, I mean, he played spectacular, but they just have not been able to get the win. I don't expect for them to get the win in this upcoming game. I expect for this to be a gentleman's sweep. Um, and it's tough. It's tough out there, like I said. I, and I mean, that was Minnesota really giving, I think, Denver all that they could handle. And the fact that Denver was able to come in into uh, Minnesota and take advantage of them here in in game three. I think that they have a great chance in winning here in game four. I think that they wrap this up and they get the rest that they need. Next up, the Los Angeles Lakers and the Memphis Grizzlies. I have the Lakers winning this one in seven. They're currently up two games to one. Uh, They pretty much roasted uh, Memphis here in last game. Uh, 111 to 101, even though the score doesn't really show that. That's only because John Morant basically went for 20 in the fourth quarter, ended up with 45 points. And they lost Dylan Brooks. Uh, He got got thrown out of the game for a a shot to LeBron James growing, which brings up an interesting point. He will be available for game four, but if it were Draymond Green, he wouldn't be available for game four. So, you know, just the parody of just the fact of like these people getting kicked in the groin, but Le- uh, but Draymond is the one guy that misses a game. Joel Embiid didn't get anything. Dylan Brooks just got thrown out of that game, but Draymond gets suspended. You know what I mean? So stuff like that is is kind of it makes you just wonder, man, what's going on there with the the whole disparity and, and you know guys having history and all this stuff like that. But anyhow, getting back to the point. The Grizzlies look like they're in trouble. They don't have too many bigs. And you saw what happens when Jaron Jackson Jr. gets into foul trouble. When they get into foul trouble, they get very small. When they get small, that's a big problem. Mainly because the team that they're playing is a lot bigger than them. You look at Anthony Davis. You look at LeBron James himself. Jared Vanderbilt. These guys, their front line is much bigger than anything that Memphis can possibly throw at them at this point in time. They only have Xavier Tillman as the backup, and you really can't have Jaron Jackson and Xavier Tillman on the floor at the same time. That's going to be a matchup issue on the other end. So the Grizzlies are in trouble. They just are. I mean, the only way that they could possibly win this game is they have to come out with more energy, okay? Because the Lakers are an older team. Okay, but the only way you're going to get them is you're going to have to take more energy 
and effort at the at the Lakers. And what does that mean? You're going to have to be on the floor diving for basketballs. You're going to have to get scrappy. You're going to have to frustrate uh, Anthony Davis, right? You're going to have to push him around a little bit and you're going to have to get physical in there and you're going to have to play a lot bigger than you really are in order to win this series. Because even if John Morant goes for 45 or 50, who else is going to score? You know, I know that uh, Desmond Bain had a pretty good game late. He's going to have to play very well. I'm not sure with Dylan Brooks. He's a a great defender, Um, not necessarily a terrific offensive player. You know what I mean? Like for him to have an offensive outburst for the rest of the series, I'm not sure if you can bank on that. Uh, Jaron Jackson, you know he can shoot it, right? But he's he shoulders a little bit more of an offensive load. I'm not sure if that's necessarily going to translate into winning basketball for the Grizzlies. So, you know, I think that the Lakers have this one and they have the Grizzlies right where they want. They have one more game at home. And let's talk about the one guy that has been the X factor, and it has been Rudy Hachimura. Rudy Hachimura has been outstanding. And it's just incredible that the Wizards would let him go for for such less. They, They traded him for Chris Dunn. And here's a guy that I believe... He has a chance to 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 either score 20 off the bench, and this hasn't been done since Bob McAdoo back in the day. So this guy, look, I knew he was good in Gonzaga, but his game has evolved so much more as a pro. I mean, he was giving him the turnaround jumper off the box. He was hitting three-pointers, contested. He's getting to the rim. Uh, he's getting steals. Like, man, it, it looks like he's just been waiting for the big stage. And more importantly, this is making Rob Palenka look very good because this team is basically basically a new team it's a new team and this is the team that they had to get in order for LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be successful as it was constructed the last couple years they weren't going anywhere they've given up just about all their draft capital for Anthony Davis but I will say the Lakers really have a chance they have a chance this is the easiest path for them they're going against a team that doesn't have bigs. They really have a chance to, to, to make some noise here. But I expect for them to do some more damage and go up three games to one starting tomorrow. Next up, you have the series of the playoffs. And that is the Sacramento Kings and the Golden State Warriors. This thing is tied up 2-2. I have Golden State going to the NBA championship. And I think that you get a chance to see why. Okay. They went down 0-2 at the start and everybody's like oh my gosh you know Steph Curry and these guys haven't been down 0-2 I'm like relax Golden State hasn't played very well on the road all year you know that coming in however they are one of the best home court teams in all the NBA and maybe in NBA history on top of the fact that they just won a championship on top of the fact that they have so much experience against the Kings that don't have any the true experience comes from, um, you know, their coach who actually coached at Golden State and also coached LeBron James and got the coach of the year, may I add, in 2009, Mike Brown. And so that is the experience that Sacramento has. They're really they're really developing in front of our eyes. OK, this is. What you're seeing with the Kings is what you what you saw with OKC when they had Kevin Durant and they had Russell Westbrook. This is exactly what you see when Golden State was first starting out, right? This is what you see when the Clippers were first getting together, when they had Lob City. 
they're learning on the fly. Unfortunately, Golden State's experience is going to get them. I think that I'm betting on the fact that Golden State will find a way to win one game. One. One. They just have to get one game in Sacramento. One. Game five is in Sacramento. Game six is in Golden State. And game seven is in Sacramento. Golden State does not want to go back to Sacramento. I got a feeling that they are going to come out in game five like gangbusters, okay? And they almost won game one, might I add. If Andrew Wiggins is able to knock down a corner shot, that's going to put Golden State up and it's going to force the uh, Kings into a situation like they had in today's exciting game where the Warriors won 126 to 125, where the Kings are going to have to make a play at the end. And in today's game, I think that you have to first and foremost take your hats off to Draymond Green. Draymond was outstanding. He had 12 points. He had the uh, 10 rebounds, and he also had the seven assists. Absolutely phenomenal for him. Okay, coming off a suspension, and might I add, he started off on the bench, and then he came back and started the second half, in which he had to guard De'Aaron Fox. And he did a great job in the last four or five minutes of that game. He ripped Sabonis on the break. He got a block shot. He got the ball knocked off his head, which lasted into a turnover. And lastly, with 10 seconds to go, when the Kings had a chance to win the game, he was able to double along with Curry and knock the ball out of uh, De'Aaron Fox's hands just barely to where he passed it over to Harrison Barnes. He takes a three-pointer as time is expiring and as Curry is running at him. So, tough play. I mean, that's that's the stuff that you you want from a defensive player like Draymond Green. And he really turned back the clock and showed that he can score. And, you know, speaking of De'Aaron Fox, 38, the nine and five, it doesn't surprise me with this young man. I had a chance to watch him play in Kentucky. You knew that if he learned how to shoot the jumper, he was going to be a very good player. And he is. And I think the Lakers are looking back and, hey, they drafted Lonzo Ball. They could have had De'Aaron Fox, but they also could have had Jason Tatum too. But that's the irony of the draft. That's why I love that stuff. But how about Keegan Murray? Uh, you know, you look at Jay Billis. He said that he was the best player coming out of the draft. He only had 10 points combined in the first three games. He had 23 today. And he's showing you why the Kings are going to be good moving forward when he figures it out. You know, he had 23, he had seven rebounds. You had Sabonis who had 14, eight and seven you know he was a little bit of a liability out there he wouldn't shoot that little free throw jump shot Davion Mitchell a guy that I loved coming out of Baylor had 12 points and Malik Monk um, that was De'Aaron Fox's teammate in college he had 16 5 and 5 uh, very good player here for the Kings but yeah I mean you look at Golden State 32 from Curry five rebounds four assists uh Clay Thompson was special, 26-3, 1-2. How many times did he knock down shots contested? Jordan Poole, 22 points, doing what he does in scoring. Kevon Looney hitting the boards hard with the 14, 6, and 8 points. Draymond, we talked about his contribution. They got something from um, Devagento and Moody as well. But more importantly, man, 41% from three-point land. They shot 50% from the field versus the Kings who shot 47% from the field, uh, 40% from the three-point land. 
And yeah, I mean, the, the, the Golden State Warriors did a terrific job in really holding on to the basketball, not turning it over so much, even though they made a bonehead play <laughs> towards the end where Golden State, uh, Curry called a timeout when they didn't have a timeout, led to a technical, led to another three-point shot and almost cost them the game. But um, quite interesting that they would have a mental lapse like that. And lastly, you have the you have the Los Angeles Clippers and the Phoenix Suns. I had the Clippers winning this series in seven games, and clearly that's not going to happen. Phoenix is now up three games to one as they are heading back to Phoenix. But more importantly, I think the bummer of this series is that Kawhi Leonard was out in games two and three and four okay so he's been out uh actually no excuse me he's been out three and four so he was there in game two but he was out in three and four and he's been out with a sprained knee they don't have paul george and it's pretty much a situation with the clippers where you just know that they had to be healthy in order for them to win this series bless ty loose heart he is really coach this roster up as best as he can coach him up but let's be real it is dependent on Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being out there I love Russell Westbrook he's played outstanding he's played as hard as he can play but against the Phoenix Suns who are top heavy with Kevin Durant uh, Devin Booker Chris Paul and Aiden you need your star defender two, three guy out there, and they don't have that. And it is shown with the Clippers because late in games, they have fallen apart and they have missed some assignments, which has basically gotten Kevin Durant, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker into situations where it's been favorable for them. And they're down. I mean, this is a frustrating thing, I think, for the Clippers with Phoenix, it looks like they're going to get out of this series. I'm not really sold on Phoenix moving forward because they don't have a bench. They have no bench. They basically are a, a unit that is very dependent on their top five. And I'm just betting on the fact that they're going to go against a team that is healthy, healthy, excuse me, and deep, and they're going to struggle. But for right now, I have to give them credit where credit is due. Kevin Durant has been special. He's played almost all 48 minutes. He said in the post game he wanted to play as much as he could possibly play because he's missed a lot of time. You know, I, I don't know how that bodes well for them. You know, here's a guy that does have the injuries. He's had a lot of playoff runs and things like that. There's a lot of mileage there. If they have to depend on KD a lot like this, again, this is a roster that doesn't have a bench really to be. And I think that that's where they could really struggle. Even though they've gotten some contributions here from Tory Craig, um, you know, you have uh, Biombo coming off the bench. You have Landry Shampard here. But they're going to need guys like Terrence Ross down the stretch. Um, you know, they're going to possibly maybe need a TJ Warren out there. Um, they're going to need a Cameron Payne. They need guys like that to actually make a deep run. With the Clippers, Norman Powell, he played special. Russell Westbrook, I talked about him and how he played. He had 37, 6, and 4. But aside from that, I mean, that's really all that they had. Terrence Mann had 13. 
Uh, eight from Plumley, some timely turnovers, five from Bones Highland. And I'm not sure where the Clippers can go to get a win. I, I, I just don't know. You know, because you have to start Norman Powell, and he's really your sixth man, so that takes away from your bench. Then that, that basically means you're either putting Eric Gordon coming off the bench, that leaves, you know, Bones Highland coming off the bench, and I'm not sure that these guys are going to outscore uh, Phoenix's second unit and defend at a high level as well. So it's a shame really in this series, but I, I really like Phoenix to go ahead and wrap this thing up in Phoenix here coming up. I believe they might play tomorrow, but essentially I, I think that this is going to be game set and match for them. And with that being said, guys, that is the recap here of round one in the playoffs. As we have talked about each team and what their chances are and who's going to move on and who is not going to move on. Looking forward here to the next show where we will be talking about, um, obviously, round two. We'll be talking about some of these injuries, whether it's the Joel Embiid. We'll be talking about you know who advances out of the Milwaukee series. I'm very excited for that. Make sure, guys, that you press the like and subscribe button if you're looking at YouTube. Make sure that you follow us here on Spotify. Just want to thank them for uh, going ahead and giving us a platform. I want to thank the sponsors out there with sponsorship on the show and the fans out there who have really listened to us on a week-to-week basis here to help us drive content to the show. So for myself, this is Rico. This is Real Talk Sports. We'll be back, guys. We'll see you on the next show. Peace.